Welcome to Trading with Rainer Show, the trading podcast where you'll gain trading insights to level up your trading so you can beat the markets. Let's start boosting your trading knowledge from your friend, Rainer Teal. Hey, hey, what's up, my friend? So just a heads up, today's episode is actually taken from one of my training videos. So let's get started. Hey, hey, what's up, my friend? So today we have Derek Dargo in the house, baby. So Derek is a full-time Forex trader and he has been profitable every single year for the last seven years. And do you know what's even crazier? I've seen his track record. He has taken close to a thousand trades. And can you guess his winning rate? He has an average winning rate of 86%. Yeah. So clearly, right, no, this is a man, right, that you want to learn and hear from, especially if you trade the Forex market. So in today's episode, right, here's what you'll learn. We'll first talk about how Derek got started, right, in trading and why he chose to specialize in the Forex markets. Then we talk about his proprietary price action plus MACD trading strategy, right? This is his core trading strategy, which he used to trade the Forex markets. We dig into his specific entries, stop loss, targets, and much more. Then he also share his uh, trading strategy called the OPOS, right? Trading system. This is very suitable for those of you, especially if you have a full-time job because it doesn't require you to, you know, stare at the screen all day. Then we also talk about the difference between supply and demand and support and resistance. Plus, we also talk about how Derek handles news events in the Forex market. And it's, you know, not what you think. So all this and more in today's episode. You ready? Let's go. Okay, so welcome, Dargo, to the show. Happy to have you today. Hello, hello. Nice, nice to see you, Ryan. I'm also happy to have this, uh, uh, let's call it a podcast or a meeting or an interview, however we call it. It's always, uh, sure. uh, I'm happy that I have an opportunity to speak with someone who lives uh, 15,000 kilometers from me. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty far, yeah? And one thing that I want to say is that, you know, uh, we haven't known each other for a long time, but having, you know, see, interact with you, you know, see your postings, I really admire your trading approach where you combine both, you know, price action and indicators. Because often, you know, people fall in kind of like one of two camps. Either I'm a price action all the way, 100% naked trading, or I'm going to go down with the indicators. But you kind of, you know, have a blend of both. And I see that it really worked out for you. And I understand, I like, I like the thought process, right, behind your trading, which of course we will dive in more later. But that's just kind of like, you know, uh, my appreciation, right, to your trading methodology, right, that has, you know, clearly worked out very well for you. So to kick things off, right, Dargo, uh, curious, right, if, if I were to, ask you for one word to describe your growing up years what would that one word be oh i must say uh, uh when i started uh, you mean the whole life or you mean the trading only period i would say more towards growing up years so maybe could be anywhere from you know when you're five years old as a kid to about 17, 18 years old, 20 years old, they know that growing up years. So, so it's more of your personal life, yeah. Okay, so I have a person who likes uh, competitions. I like to compete with, with everything, with anything. So I like to compete with uh, my friends in the school to be, the, be better. I like to compete when I started uh, uh, training sports. 
I like to compete also when I'm a trader, because when I'm trading, I have one one um, competitor, it's market and me. And that's what I love in trading, that uh, there's nobody around me. It's me and the market, you know. Nobody will tell me what I should do. I'm just uh, using my ed uh, education, my knowledge. Uh, uh, so I like I like competitions. I like competitions and... Uh, uh, even, uh, you know, time is running and I'm the same as I was 10 years old. I always would like to be the winner. <laughs> so perhaps could you share with me maybe a time, right, where you competed, right, and where you perhaps the outcome wasn't what you're looking for. Do you, maybe is there any stories that you can share? Well, uh, competing, uh, for me, competing means getting yourself better. Because if you are, you don't have to compete with somebody. You you never know what's the level you reached. You only can test your level if you compete. If you compare yourself with someone, um, you know. Uh, my my first uh, years I spent on Sri Lanka. I was living on Sri Lanka over six years when I was a, a boy. I was there with my family. My father was working in a in an embassy. Uh, Polish embassy and I was I was just as a child I lived in Sri Lanka in Colombo and uh, my father took me to a swimming pool uh, just saying me this is a bit a huge opportunity to learn swimming because in our country it was really we had a, a, a not a good climate we, we, we couldn't swim outdoors more than two months a year and the swimming pools there are a few of them you know in those years and uh, you know, when I was walking by the by the um, um, pool, I slipped and I fell inside, and there was nobody around me. And uh, it was the this was the way I started learning swimming because I had to survive. <laughs> so I fought with all my strength, and I said that when I when I catch the bank, I said, "Well, it was a bit frightening, but maybe it's not so bad." And after three months, I started competing in swimming contests in Sri Lanka, and I I got the, the championships of Sri Lanka in diving and swimming on hundred yards pools because there were yard pools there, and uh, and that's how how I started feeling that competing makes me stronger. And that's crazy. Made... That's so. It's like you know you accidentally accidentally fell into the pool and where most people if there's no one around they could have drowned but you you know found yourself to the bank from there you started having a passion for swimming doing it competitively yes. and within two you months know, you won like a championship yeah it was you know it was a lunch break so nobody was on the swimming pool people were sitting in in the shadow drinking some beer eating lunch and because this is this was a club it was called Otis aquatic swimming club in sri lanka it was a club for 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 um, people who just like to spend free time there, and it was also a restaurant, you know, tennis uh, and everything around. So the pool was just a part of this uh, huge uh, complex. <laughs> so I was, was really that... alone. I was alone in the yeah. swimming pool that time. <laughs> because for most people, if they fell into the pool and they have no experience. On swimming, right? There'll be fear, right? Was there any fear in your mind when you're in the pool at that point in time? Yeah, of course. Uh, I, you know, I just don't remember so clearly that. But uh, you know, when you compare this moment with a moment when you start trading and you fail, it's nearly the same. 
you just need to stand up and, and try again. That's, that, that's, <laughs> that's my approach it, to, to life <laughs> and training. But in swimming, right, if you fall and you don't have the skill, right, you will just, you might drown and know it's a lot more serious than just blowing up a few accounts in training. <laughs> okay, yeah, but, but uh, you know, the stress is nearly the same. You know, this wasn't a deep swimming pool. It was, I fall away, it was not so deep. It was about maybe one and a half meters. It was, I was a bit, maybe so much below the water. If I would fall in the deep water, because there was also, uh, the, the second part of the pool was very deep because there's a jumping uh, tower, then it would be worse, probably. <laughs> maybe we wouldn't speak I today. see. <laughs> <laughs> and, and how old were you when you, you fell into the pool? Oh, I was, was eight, eight, eight years, eight years old. Eight years old. Okay. And you said that your father worked in the embassy and that's why you're there in Sri Lanka for six years there about, right? You mentioned that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Then you got into competitive swimming. So, okay, since competitive swimming and training, we're all very competitive endeavors. So where do you think the similarities lie between competitive swimming and, and training? Well, the first thing is that uh, what I said at the beginning, we compete with someone, either some other swimmers or uh, either we compete with the market. We know that uh, traders like to boast with the, about their results. If you check the internet, you only see good results. You never see those people who, who lose. Uh, so if someone who, who hasn't the idea of trading will say, well, it's a perfect business. Everyone is winning. Uh, and uh, when I compare now the swimming and uh, and uh, trading, and I, I know many people who are losing, I say it's the same like in a, on a contest. Uh, there's only one winner, uh, and lo most are losers. And the same is in, in trading. I believe that maybe 20, maybe 30% are winners, and the others are losers. But it doesn't mean that if you lost today, you might, it doesn't mean that you can win tomorrow. This is the same. When I started swimming, I was seventh, eighth in the contest. Then I was fifth. Then I was third. And then I was first. So, you know, uh, uh, everything means that you need to practice, 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 and practice. Because especially swimming is such a kind of sport that uh, you cannot uh, achieve good results if you are not training. You know, I always uh, compare football with swimming. In football, you can accidentally kick a ball and it will fall and make a goal yeah it can happen accidentally you have no accidentally uh, results in swimming if you are not well trained you are you, you cannot change your results or let's say five seconds in 100 meters day to day it's impossible yes. and it's that's why training swimming is one of those sports where you really need to work hard i was training twice a day for about 10 years even on saturdays wow. six days per week twice a day early in the morning at six o'clock before going to school. And then when I came back from school, I was just passing by the swimming pool and was going training. And then I came home at six o'clock afternoon. So, uh, and it, what it gave me, it gave me really uh, a huge, uh, um, uh, I would say, I'm, I, 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 I respond to the problems in a very uh, uh, easy way. Problems is just one of the things which I need to solve. It's not something which is, you know, beating me down it's not making me sad or or or, or hysteric because i i feel that an obstacle is something which you need to fight with is it life is it sports or is it trading this is very important to 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 be you know you need to be hard you must we say that uh, uh, you must have a, you, you must be hard like a stone 
uh, to all the things which try to to, to spoil your your humor or your your bias to the, in the life. So I'm generally sports gives a lot. Sports gives a lot because it it uh, I, I learned to be hard and and I've said uh, I learned to be tough. You know, not 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 soft. That's it. I love it, and. I'm curious because when you mentioned you train twice a day for swimming, I believe you're actually competing at a pretty done high level. So what what kind of level are we looking at as competitive swimming? Well, when I was young, uh, my best results it was uh, the finals in 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 national uh, championships. I never got a gold medal uh, when I was a youngster. I came back to swimming in 2005 as a master swimming. Master swimming, you know, it's it's it, those are older people still uh, taking uh, part in contests, and uh, so now it's it's over 18 years back. I'm still training, not so like I did it when I was young. Now I'm training three times a week only. Uh, so I'm doing, let's say, per year I'm swimming about 300 kilometers only. So it's not a big attempt, but you know the age is also you know. Uh, you need to, to, to remember about your age, you know, you cannot do too much because you spoil your health. But uh, uh, the best results I got as a master's because I, I, I have about 20 national records at the moment and uh, I am not able even to count how many gold medals I got in my different age groups because I started training. I came back to swimming when I was about 40 and, I'm, and from that time on, uh, I lose very, very rarely. I would say <laughs> I was taking okay. part in 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 World Master Championships in Göteborg. I was uh, taking part two times in European Championships. It was in Cadiz. It was in in uh, Slovenia also. Uh, I like to travel and swim also. That's that's you know it's it's an opportunity to meet really nice people. You know I know people from all over the world. When I was on the championships in. Um, in Göteborg in Sweden, there were 7,000 people taking part in these championships. And there were people oh. from the whole world. I, I, I met then people who I remember that I really, there, was, there were idols for me when I was young. young. Those were people who were world championships in swimming. That time when I was, let's say, 18, they got gold medals on the, on the Olympic Games. And then I competed with them when I was 40. You know, it was really something wonderful. And it's, it's really perfect. In Göteborg, there was a swimming pool with a huge green grass, you know, a huge field because it was an open, open uh, swimming pool. And there was a kind of, a, you know, a picnic there where a few thousand people were, were from the whole over the world were just speaking, exchanging, uh, you know, uh, the, the, the T-shirts and the swimming gaps. You know, I have one from Brazil. From a from a swimmer who was the world championship on the Olympic Games, you know, for me it's a kind of a really uh, nice nice item I have. It's a kind of a uh, <clears throat> let's say uh, it's a history of swimming for, for, for of that man. That man is a history of swimming. So that that's something which you know you you must find a balance between work and, and entertainment. You cannot work only because if you work too long, the effects are even worse than if you work just the optimum time. The same is with trading. I try to trade not more than five hours per day. Because if you look, if you stay before the computer too long, you you gaze at the charts. After you know, 
people, uh, a man's brain is 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 not uh, perfect. It's always uh, uh, when it gets tired, you, uh, then also the, the results are getting really not not really bad. So I hate over trading. I remember when I when I started trading 15 years ago. No, I started trading in 1990s. Probably most of our viewers were still not on this world. <laughs> <laughs> still in school, maybe not even born. <laughs> yes. Uh, I started in 1990s. No, in 1990s, big changes uh, were taking place in my country. We became independent from the Soviet Union, which was really keeping us uh, in, uh, in very strong relations and they we didn't do, uh, we weren't able to do what we wanted. In the 1990s, the changes came, and then uh, also the stock market was reactivated. Um, and I started to learn the, the, the principles of uh, the capital market, the mechanisms, how to govern the market, what is the demand, what is supply, what does the capitalization of company mean, and those things, there's something new for me. And uh, in 1990s, the Warsaw Stock Exchange was established, or not established, it was, uh, let's say, reactivated. And I remember my first buy, it was, I, I bought 100 shares of a company, Polish company, Electrim. It was a company which was building the highways. <clears throat> so it was a construction uh, company. And believe me that uh, those 100 shares I'd sold two years ago. I kept oh. those shares for over 20 wow. years. It was uh, uh, it was 1991 when I started uh, buying stocks. Yeah, 1991, and I sold them in 2021, so it was 30 years. Why did you sell? Uh, you know, because the company was not existing at all uh, anymore, and it was just it was divided to small companies or other companies. And then uh, uh, someone started buying those those uh, shares because they were not already on the stock. This was outside the stock. And I got an offer by mail that you, I own 100 shares of this company and they are going to... I have I had two choices. I can sell them or I can lose everything because they will be <laughs> you know, eliminated. And I got some money from, for this, uh, not big money, but still uh, compared to what I invested, it was still about 500% more than I invested, you know, compared in dollars when I counted, it changed this uh, values in dollars. So, uh, but, uh, you know, those were funny times when uh, the stock exchange, there were quotations twice a week only, Tuesdays and Thursdays. And there was a limit that a stock cannot go up more than 10% per day and cannot fall more than 10% a day. So it was, you know, it was like a, like a casino <laughs> by yourself. It was nothing really to do with the real market. <clears throat> but then one day came a black Thursday and there was a crash and the stock started falling like crazy. <clears throat> and uh, luckily I took out the money I invested about. I was not in a big minus. But I know that many people lost everything and and there were problems, some suicides and so on. It was a Black Friday in Poland, <clears throat> Black Thursday, sorry. And then I came back to, to trading after some years. Um, but why, how it started, and maybe, I don't know if it's interesting, but <laughs> how I started, uh, many people, uh, when I ask how you started trading, oh, I saw it in TV, oh, I saw it in the internet, oh, someone called me that there's an opportunity and I started thinking about trading. The way I started was absolutely different. I started from real money 
uh, real exchange market, uh, the interbank uh, exchange, because uh, I was uh, running for several years a uh, foreign trading company. I was buying and selling, you know, I was importing goods from China and selling it in Germany. I was buying Polish products and se selling them in England or, or, or in Italy. I guess it was just a typical trading company. So when I was buying and selling goods from different countries for different currencies, I had to exchange those currencies. You know, when I wanted to buy something in China, I need dollars, okay? And I sold the goods for German marker, German uh, Deutsche Mark. So I had to change the Deutsche Mark to dollars. And then I noticed that uh, if I waited a few days, I sometimes get a better exchange rate than I would have on Monday, let's say. I, I wanted to exchange, let's say, 100,000 uh, Deutsche Mark on Monday, but I said, oh, I'll wait until Wednesday. Oh, on Wednesday, I got a few dollars more. And I, and I, and I noticed that uh, I could uh, make money or lose on the uh, currency conversions uh, uh, exchange rate. And I started following the charts because before I just had the info from my bank, how much I will get for, for, for let's say, British pound. Oh, so much, so much dollars. Okay, thank you. I'll wait. And then I got to the charts. And I started watching the charts and I said, uh, there's some kind of system that I can uh, foresee that the bucket will go high or lower. And that's how I started gaining money exchanging the, the currencies. But those were real market. It's not contracts for different. Those were not futures. Those were real money to real money. Now, this is one to one without the leverage at that time. And that's how I started uh, watching the charts and then. When I closed the company, uh, I started trading. And from that on time, I'm on the trading. I'm, I, I don't have any other activity at the moment. So how long have you been doing Forex trading since you, know, you mentioned you sold the company? 2008, something about 2008, I started uh, my first contact with uh, charts. Uh, of course, I was always looking at the charts of stocks. That's, that's because I had it in my blood that Stocks were always interesting, but I didn't invest much money. It was just a hobby. But when I started looking at the ex currency exchange rate, this was 2008, 2009, something like this. And I found that contracts for difference are so easy to trade. They are so easy compared to the stock market. I said, well, with stock market, I can only buy. You know, I can trade only one, one direction. I can buy and hope that it will, I'll sell it in better price. But on contracts for difference, I can trade both ways. I said, wow, it's, it's El Dorado for me. I can do, you know, I can, I can sit two hours before the computer and I can buy, sell and be rich in, in, in few hours. <laughs> of course, the, <laughs> the reality was a bit different. I remember burning my first, first account. It was really crazy. <laughs> And I opened an account, a real account, and uh, I invested uh, uh, not a huge account. It was about $5,000. And I made from $5,000, $15,000 in 20 days. I said, wow, wow. this is this. Wow. Now <laughs> I, need, I, I mustn't work anything anymore. I'll just trade and phew, I'll be so rich that I, will, I, don't, I, will, uh, I won't know what to do with the money for probably. And that time I, was, I started swimming also, so uh, I, 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 I left an open trade on dollar with yen with a big volume because I was trading really like crazy, you know, the, the, it was 10% uh, up, 10% down. And <laughs> I went to the swimming pool and when I came back, 
I found that there's zero, there's $10 on the account. I said, what, what, what is this? First thing I thought it was a scam, you know, that someone cheated me. I called the broker, what happened? And the broker said, well, <laughs> check your, check your uh, account and see what happened. And then I found out that there's something like, like which, which we call payrolls. It was the payrolls day and the payrolls were very positive for dollar and I was uh, uh, shorting dollar with yen. So I lost all my account on one trade only. And I remember that from that time I said, okay, so the fundamentals also have some, some influence, not only those lines on the charts. And then I started following the fundamentals also. And now I combine a bit fundamentals, a bit technical analysis. Uh, I think that technical analysis is still, let's say 70% of, of the reason that I open a trade. But there are a few events which we need to watch. Payrolls, um, central bank decisions regarding the monetary policy. Um, uh, lately, also the CPI report, the inflation rate report. Yes, because, inflation. Yeah, you remember the time when, when inflation was about 2% and it was not changing nearly. And it's not, this was not an important news. But now, nowadays, Sometimes the inflation reports are even more important than, than the bank, central bank decisions. So those three things I think we need to take. You know, we cannot get crazy and watch every event because it's nonsense. Uh, most of the events have temporary impact, maybe a few hours and things go back to normality. But payrolls, uh, CPI reports and central bank decisions, especially when we expect some interest rate changes, those things we need to watch. So why why did you choose to like focus more on the forex trading? Maybe instead of you could have do things like stock markets or even CFD. So why why forex trading? Well um <clears throat> I think that uh, the volatility is is really interesting on the currency exchange. The currency exchange rates are are, are moving there are some special pairs which I really love to trade. I like to trade pound with Japanese yen. It's a pair which is giving huge opportunities. It's a trending market, so it, it, the trends last for, for a few days at least. Uh, I'm a swing trader. Let, let's say that, that generally I'm a swing trader uh, and a scalper. Uh, I'm not a position trader. Um, I rather prefer prefer uh, scalping and, and swing trading. Uh, but uh, generally, uh, from stocks, I like to trade indices. S&P 500, uh, German 40, those are the indices I trade also. Uh, I don't trade exotics uh, because exotics, uh, they, they are huge costs. Uh, you know, uh, the, the provisions the brokers uh, take are huge on the exotics. The spread is huge. And uh, also the uh, probability that the market will change in, in second is also huge because those uh, markets like to be, um, let's say, speculated. Uh, the markets are uh, not always uh, behaving like uh, like they should, or let's say this way. Uh, and there are two currencies which are also manipulated. It's yen and it's Swiss franc. We know that the central banks are uh, has a huge impact on this, what's happening. Bank of Japan is a special type of uh, manipulator i would say uh, that's why uh, things which are happening on japanese and we cannot understand them we just need to feel them <laughs> only. <laughs> you know the only country in the world which has negative interest rate is japan 
Yeah. And still they For... have, inf yeah, and the inflation they have at the same level as the United States. So when we look at the dollar with yen, from the fundamental uh, point of view, there's no reason that yen could get stronger. You get five and a half percent for your savings in a bank, in a US bank, if you keep it in dollar. And in, if you keep your savings in yen, you get minus zero one. So why should I keep yen? Huh? So yeah, the fundamentals also help us to, um, uh, to understand the markets. The fundamentals are also important. Right. So you've been trading Forex full-time for the last, was it three, three to seven years? How many years has it been? It's about, no, the, I think it's about 15 years now. 15 years. 15 years. But, oh, since 2008, you've been trading yeah, Forex like full-time mm -hmm. actively. Yeah, nice, but nice. Okay. Many contracts for difference. Contract for difference. But for yes. now, it's still contract for difference, or is it more of trading forex in the OTC markets in the with the brokers? Uh, yeah, yeah, yes, something like this also. Uh, I have few accounts, you know. I have accounts uh, also a, a futures account. So uh, I cannot say that I'm only on one direction. Uh, but uh, at the moment, I must say that the contracts for difference for me are perfect for trading. Okay. Got it. I think because in different countries, they call it differently. Some call it contract for difference. Some call it spot forex. Some has forwards futures. There are many ways to trade the currency market, not just you know on certain like yeah. OTC markets. So yeah, I think different countries have different ways or different accessibilities for their retail traders to access. Yeah, over the counter, so it's maybe... nearly the same like contracts for difference for me. It's nearly the same. Mm -hmm. Right, and. Uh... Maybe let's kind of like maybe touch a little bit more on your trading approach, right? So I know you specialize in the Forex market. So maybe a high-level overview, maybe you can share with the listeners, the audience, you know, how do you trade the Forex markets? All right, we can talk about the high-level overview first and then maybe later on dive deeper into the specific strategies that you trade. Well, how I trade Forex market. First thing is that uh, I always say that uh, it's no matter how you trade, what kind of strategy you use, uh, it's very important to stick to the rules. So if you have a strategy and you test it for five, six times only, this gives you absolutely no idea, are you, is it a profitable strategy or not? If you are able to backtest the strategy, it's even better, but not all strategies are uh, possible to be backtested for many reasons, but uh, I use I use for some time also expert advisors, but I must say that uh, uh, I I don't know how to program them. I only gave some instructions to my friend, and he wrote this, he wrote the the code and everything, and I found it a bit uh, problematic for me to 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 give my ideas to someone. He will turn it into mathematics and so on. So I I quit uh, expert advisors. So now I'm trading manually. And I must say that uh, the most important thing for me is not what I'm trading, but how I'm trading. Because each instrument is, 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 is uh, good for trading, but you need to find a special approach to it. You cannot trade in the same way a currency like pound with yen, which is very dynamic, compared to euro pound, which is flat, you know, it's in consolidation mainly. So you need to, to first thing you need to do is um, describe the market. Is it a consolidated market with some range or is it something very volatile? Then you need to uh, use this, this, uh, this uh, specific strategy for that, for that instrument. Uh, well, um, of course, 
it also depends on your uh, this strategy must suit your your character and your lifestyle if you are a full-time trader no problem you can uh, try different strategies but if you are working and i believe most of our viewers our our friends they are working and trading so they must fit they must have such a strategy which will fit their lifestyle if he comes back from work and has only three four hours per day for trading he must have another strategy than someone who can sit before the computer from early morning to uh, late evening that's why i always say that for people who work and don't have much time they want to like to trade and use it as a hobby uh, they could uh, use a strategy which is based on pending orders. So I, I have a strategy which is called OPOS. It's a strategy based on pending orders where you have supply demand zones and you plan a trade in front. So even if you're at work, the, the, the broker will open the trade if it's a pending order, if market hits that level. Uh, I'm a full-time trader, so I, I, I use mainly mainly a strategy which is based on uh manual opening i open the trades manually i have a strategy with very objective uh, objective uh, assumptions what i mean objective it's uh, my strategy is based on three questions and those are questions where i call them zero one you can only answer yes or no you you, you cannot hesitate to answer if the assumption is is matched or not if I if I say uh, that uh, the the part of the strategy is based on breakouts, and if I ask myself was the breakout done or not, I already see on the charts yes because the market is close below the or over the level, or not if it didn't do it. So very simple question. The worst strategies, in my opinion, are those where um, you hesitate. Maybe yes, maybe no, I don't know. I must think it over. The best test is if you have 10 people before you and you ask them a question, if 10 of those people can answer the same, it means that this is an objective question. If I ask uh, uh, someone, is it uh, outside, is it day or night? Of course, everyone say, yes, it's day because sun is shining and no problem. But if uh, you ask someone about the weather in China, at the moment, uh, someone will say, oh, I don't know, I must check it, you know, and maybe it's sunny or maybe it's winter. This is the problem. The, the, the assumptions of the strategy must be very simple. My strategies are very simple. Price action and, as you mentioned at the beginning of the session, I am using MACD. It's an indicator. I sometimes feel shy saying that I'm using indicator because I know that <laughs> uh, markets... Uh, believe that uh, naked trading, naked trading, I mean, uh, not we naked, but the charts are naked. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's of course, uh, it's of course uh, the best uh, way of trading. Uh, indicators are disturbing, distracting us and so on. I thought so also at the beginning when I started trading, I only tried to use uh, no indicators. Then I started testing hundreds of indicators. I remember a chart when I had about 12 indicators at once on it. And then I found out that uh, no, it's not the way. And I started eliminating all the indicators. And the, the, the only indicator that uh, survived is MACD. But I'm using MACD in a special way. I'm not using it as most uh, people show that there's a signal line and so on. No, I'm just looking at the changes 
of the direction. But it's not all. In the MACD is on the indicator which is uh, filtering filtering the, 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 the setups. It means that it's not deciding about entering. Uh, the decision that I enter a trade is based on three steps. First, I need a pattern, like an inside bar, outside bar, pin bar. Then I need a breakup from that pattern. And then comes the MACD as a filter. If MACD is not showing any changes, it's still in the same mode, let's say bullish, and I want to short, then I, the MACD says, no, 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 no shorting, wait. That's how I'm using MACD. Not, the MACD is not the only uh, decedent, you know. It's not the, the, the reason that I open a trade. I need, I need uh, some more, more um, signals from the market to open a trade. And what's important is keeping up to the rules. Even if things doesn't work 10 times, it doesn't mean that it will not work. You must test it 100 or 200 or 300 times before you can say, yes, you have an edge or not. And what if, let's say, you test a trading strategy 300 times and then it lost money? So what's your next step? Well, if, uh, if I see that uh, from 300 trades, uh, over 50% were losing, it's time to change the assumptions of the strategy or just quit it and search for another. Um, Normally, uh, the strategy, the main strategy I'm using, it's very easy to test it. It's very easy to test it. So if you uh, want to test it, you just sit down in the, during the weekend when you have more time and you just search for the patterns I use. My favorite patterns are engulfing patterns, two candlestick patterns. And you can check all the engulfing patterns uh, on the chart, let's say, of one instrument back for, let's say, three months and check what happened. What happened after the breakout? Did the market follow the breakout or was it a false breakout? And compare it with the MACD. MACD is not repainting. It's always the same, you know, it's not that, because there are many indicators which are repainting themselves. When you look back in the history, it's showing you perfect results, but in the moment when it was, it was absolutely different. Those repainting indicators, this is absolutely, scam you know I, I, I hate those <laughs> things and people get coated and people buy those indicators which so nicely look on the charts but at the moment when you want to make a decision the values have different so this is the way I, my approach to the market is that if i can test the strategy and when the assumptions are so simple i can spend you know i can spend even four or five weekends for this and when i see that from 100 patterns 70 percent work Okay, I think that's worth trading the strategy. And uh, I understand your MACD. So MACD, I think maybe for the audience who are listening, so MACD, there are two main approaches to it. One is the lines, the squiggly lines that show up on your charts, like moving average. And the other one is specifically called the MACD histogram. I believe you are focusing more on the MACD histogram. Am I right? Yeah. Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. And again, so the MACD histogram, right? So correct me if I'm wrong. It basically measures... Uh, buying and selling pressure in the market so the histogram can be either i think on trading view it's the default color is green and red so if it's red it means that there is more selling pressure if it's green there's more buying pressure yeah so i think maybe to, to kick things off you know now that we kind of like explain to the audience uh what the macd indicator is about how you use it i think you also have a certain settings right for your macd indicator based on your preference maybe you can share the specific settings that you use well uh, i must say that maybe the settings themselves are not so specific because those are Traditionally, it's 12, uh, because uh, what is MACD? MACD is just showing us 
the distance between two moving averages, exponential moving. One is 12 period and the second one is 26 period. So we can say there's a slow moving average and fast moving average. And the distance between them is this what we see on the histogram. The only problem starts how to use it is that uh, sometimes it's over the zero line, sometimes it's below because it's an oscillator, it's, it's oscillating around the zero line. And then it's a question uh, because the original MACD is, has one color. It means that it's nonstop, just one color, gray or blue or red, doesn't matter. But the one I am using is double color. It means that any time it's changing the direction, it's changing the color. Why? Because it's easier for me to analyze the market when I see, you know, when I'm, my approach to the market is very simple. I open my computer and search for the moments when MACD just started turning around, making a U-turn. And then I look if there was a pattern and so on. So it's easier for me to select an instrument for trading when I look at the colors. You know, it's, it's so simple. A child could even do it. I would say my, <laughs> my sons are at the moment uh, over 30 years old. So no, it's not, no, I would ask him. But let's say I would ask my grandchild, the children, who is, let's say, six years. I say, okay, come here, Camille, and show, find me a screen where MACD is first time red. And he can do it for me. You know, it's so simple. And when he says, okay, Grandpa, you can say uh, on Euro USD the MACD just changed to red on the four hour chart. And then I look at the chart, I say, okay, this is one thing, but it's not enough. For me, it's also, I need to see the market making a, a high of this swing high. I need to have a um, pattern. There's some more things coming. But the first thing, I don't know if you have you had the problems also when you started trading when uh, you open the charts and uh, what to what to start with what what should I start with what, which which uh, market is giving us a chance for a trade many times I had that problem when I started trading which is the moment what is the best trade uh, instrument to trade now I have no doubts I just scroll and see red red red, red. oh here it comes uh, today I saw that uh, as I remember it was on pound with dollar that on daily there's something changing i said okay i put it on my watch list i'll come back to this in the evening and i see how the daily candle will close if it's closed on bearish it might be a signal for a correction or if i see that market was is trending and i see that macd has fallen below the zero line maybe it's time to join the trend again so those are it's so simple that people don't believe that it works. <laughs> and still, you know, still, um, I mentioned uh, some time ago during our last webinar, which I'm happy that I could share my ideas with your community. And there was a question about the uh, efficiency. I said my, my efficiency is 84%. So it means that I made 1,000 trades and 840 trades are winners and 160 are losers. And uh, I saw that uh, people don't believe in it, so I will show them today. The, the, I'll give them the link to the account so they can check it. It's a live account. It's an account which is two years old, and they can do it. You can see it because uh, I know that this strategy is working, but uh, maybe people need some more proofs that it's working. <clears throat> nice. And so maybe now we can just maybe dive a little bit deeper and talk about the... Uh... I think you started off with the MACD and the price action strategy. So let me let's talk about that first. So you mentioned, I think the first thing you look for, it's uh, I think you go the different ways. So you look for maybe a, a MACD histogram, right? 
let's say mm-hmm. the market is uh the histogram is now green color you're looking for a down tick so meaning from green it becomes red so what about market structure does it matter whether the market is in an uptrend or downtrend or you first thing you look for is just the macd histogram uh, first thing i look at the histogram but then i analyze the market uh, very closely because the 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 the, the, the fact that macd changed the direction for me is only a hint that this might be an interesting instrument. Not all situations. Okay. Uh, MACD, first thing is that MACD not in all moments can show us uh, a good, uh, <clears throat> they don't, in, not always MACD will indicate uh, properly what's happening because MACD must be extended. It mustn't, it cannot be flat. It must be really high f- uh, away from the zero line. Second thing, it must be regular for at least a period of time. It cannot be that it's choppy, you know, it's changing red, green, red, green. Then I don't believe it. It must be, so it's not that, it's not so simple that just MACD green that I sell. No, no, no. There, there must be some other, in this, uh, in your, uh, in that module we, 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 uh, I made on your um, platform, I mentioned that uh, MACD must also fill some rules it must be the value must be high enough um, and it must be regular for at least a period of time it cannot be choppy as i call it so this is the first thing but uh, uh, it's not enough for me to to trade it's just a way to select from 35 charts which i have those most interesting okay so let's say i have 35 charts open at the moment and i will choose only three of them, because on three of them, we see that that uh, U-turn of MACD. And then I go close and look. Let's If I see there's a huge, strong trend, I don't want to trade against a strong trend, because corrections, I trade on the corrections, but I prefer to join the trend. So sometimes I say, okay, let the correction run. When the correction will be over, I will join it. I will join the trend. Uh, if the, if it uh, and I of course analyzed uh, high time frames daily and four hour charts uh, using this price section and MACD strategy. For scalping, I have a different strategy. It's also based on MACD, but then I don't look at all at the patterns. I look only on high lows and and uh, swing high, swing low. So no. This is what I said at the beginning. Every instrument needs to, you need to have an approach to, to instrument uh, individually. Gold, for, for example, I, I love to trade gold because gold and MACD, those are really best friends, I must say. <laughs> they are so friendly. <laughs> they are so nicely correlated <laughs> that uh, I was showing many times uh, on my webinars that it's something incredible how gold and MACD are working together. Uh, on daily and four hour chart it's you know it's it's a charm it's a charm and if you understand when macd makes sense and when you should avoid it the efficiency is 80 percent of the uh, entries got it so from what i'm hearing is that you want to you don't just look at the macd histogram like you know from green become red you sell or red become green you buy or rather you want to see there's like a proper app and flow to it you only see it like kind of like there's a peak to the greenness and there's like certain, I don't use the word overbought, right? But you can see that the spike in the MACD histogram is pretty much large, right? Large relative to the earlier spikes of the histogram. And that's where from green, it becomes red. And that's kind of like your first, 
condition and then you start to look for other patterns like you mentioned the inside bar the outside bar the engulfing pattern etc so hopefully yeah. I, I got that part correct and you want to avoid those magnetic histogram where it's near the zero line chopping up and down you yeah, typically definitely. avoid it's, such it's not, conditions it's not worth the trading uh, okay just what i would add um, because it's very important to understand what is an inside bar what is an outside bar inside bar is nothing else but a consolidation it means that there's a huge day and then market cannot break the top the maximum or the minimum of the day this is the inside bar okay and what we say about consolidations breakout from consolidation is an opportunity to trade that's why breaking from an inside bar means for me that market decided to to, to move and what is the direction is the direction of the breakout of course we have false breakouts uh, trading would be too, too too easy if every breakout would work and MACD helps me to avoid those false breakouts. Maybe not all of them, but most of the false breakouts, I avoid looking at MACD because it often happens there's a breakout, but MACD still didn't change anything. No, it's still the same direction as it was. This is an alarm signal for me. Oh, someone is going to trick me. I'll wait. So that's why uh, I use MACD as a kind of a filter. It's maybe not a decisive thing, but uh, as a filter, I showed many times a situation when I said, okay, guys, uh, now we have an inside bar. Uh, MACD is still showing bullishness. Now we wait for the breakout. And if this breakout is followed by bearish MACD, this is the moment we can uh, start selling. But uh, if you see a breakout and MACD is still bullish, forget about it. It's, it's, it, it means that they are going to trick us. They want to pull, pull higher. It's a strong trend. So um, naked uh, charts are, are very good, very good. But uh, naked chart plus MACD is the best. <laughs> <laughs> awesome to hear that. So let's say we have our MACD. So just walk me through. I'll just walk you through the scenario and maybe you can share your thought process so the listeners can kind of like, because we don't have, we're not sharing charts over here. So it helps them better visualize, right? To mm -hmm. your trading approach, yeah? So let's say, MACD is, you know, having multiple green bars and then boom, right? We have a red bar, meaning there's uh, some selling pressure lurking in the back end. Then you probably uh, look for patterns, right? Patterns that you're familiar with, like you talk about the inside bar, the engulfing pattern. So let's say you have a bearish engulfing pattern on the chart, right? I guess that meets your second criteria. So what happens next? Well, uh, if MACD turns to, to let's, let's say that we are analyzing a bullish market, okay? There's a bullish swing. And uh, I search, uh, I'm watching at the charts and I couldn't find MACD, that MACD just turned to bearish. Then I look at the, char at the, at the charts if maybe there was a pattern. So, it, you know, those things are equal for me. Either change on the MACD, either pattern on the charts. And then normally the best uh, setups for me are when I see a pattern, my favorite patterns are outside bars those are in case of a upswing of course bearish engulfing pattern and when i say bearish engulfing pattern and i see that macd didn't change i say very good situation i put it on my watch list and wait for the breakout as long as i don't see a breakout even macd will change to bearish i still suspect that it could be trick a tricky a tricky situation three uh, um, let's say three assumptions must be met, all of them, not only two of them, only the first and the third or, or the, the middle one, all three. If I see 
breakups of a pattern in a uh, and the market uh, and MACD is following the breakout, then I feel that it makes sense. Sometimes specific instrument is gold, where I also analyze market on one hour charts. Because I found that on one hour chart, gold also likes to um, feel the, 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 the assumptions of the strategy. But on other instruments, I use only four hour and daily. I don't uh, take into consideration lower time frames uh, because there are so many patterns on the lower time frames. You see, on the five minute chart, you can find daily maybe 20 such patterns, <laughs> which one work, one not, not work. No, it's, it's absolutely um, useless because uh, I always uh, I say that uh, uh, in case of patterns inside and outside bars, not all is gold that glitters. Not each pattern will work. If our, uh, you know, because people try to find shortcuts. They buy a computer. They 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 open an account uh, on the uh, with a broker, and they start trading because they already know how to press the buttons, buy, sell, and so on. And then after some time, they find that there's so many things they should learn. Education is absolutely um, a must. You know, don't believe that you have a, you know, a beginner's luck. Okay, it can happen once or twice, but at the end, the education, the, the knowledge comes. And the knowledge means filtering, um, Filtering setups which may not work. Mm, focusing on those on those best setups. Don't trade each pattern because it will not work. Pattern must be either on a, uh, if I mean the, let's say bearish engulfing, it must be on a, a swing high. Bullish engulfing must be on a swing low. If you find a bullish engulfing uh, on a uh, swing high, it means that it will be continuing, probably continuation, not a, a reversal pattern. So I think that practicing is very important. You know, 15 years of trading made me, made me, uh, learned me a lot. You know, I burnt many accounts before I started. Uh, I think that I started gaining money after four years of trading. Uh, for last seven years, I didn't have a losing year. This is what I believe is a success. Beautiful. Sometimes, yeah. the, you know, sometimes the wins were not big, not big ones, but generally, I think it's that now it's the eighth year I'm closing with a profit in a row. Uh, I have five accounts, uh, to say the truth. I have futures account where I don't need a broker then. It's, uh, let's say, uh, but this is absolutely different to the contracts for difference. By the way, uh, what is happening on the contracts for difference comes from the futures market, of course. We, we need to have the quotation from somewhere. Yeah? It's not taken from the air. But uh, contacts are different. Mm, uh, I have three accounts on, on, on CDFs and one on stock market, on Polish stock market, but this is the most speculated uh, stock market in Europe, I think, Polish stock market. It's so, the, the capitalization is so low that one, one big um, customer can change, you know, the, 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 the quotation. So I keep up to the, I have some stocks open on the banks, Polish banks, which have no huge, much bigger capitalization. So I, right. I have I have uh, some shares from the Polish banks only. Okay, maybe just to you know take a step back and maybe just to continue off from the MACD. So let's say uh just want to give the readers some guidelines that they can you know go and research on their own, right? So let's say the MACD, let's say imagine you know, it's a bullish uh, 
let's put it, let's say uh, there's a bearish engulfing pattern at a swing high. MACD has now from green, right, now becomes red. And then let's say there's a, you mentioned that yeah, there's a breakout of the bearish engulfing pattern. So is there any definition that you call a breakout? Is that maybe, I think if I'm not wrong, it's like a close below the low of the engulfing pattern. Would you call that a breakout? Yes, Looking at the closing course. price? Yes, for me, a breakout means breaking the low of the candle, creating the pattern. In case it's an inside bar, it will be the mother bar, uh, extremums are important. So if they break, uh, you mentioned a bearish engulfing pattern. For me, a breakout means that the candle closed outside. But what I mean closed, it means the candle must be finished. It cannot be a breakout during the day. If I, if I analyze daily candles, I need to wait to the midnight before I can say that the breakout happened. Because it might be so that uh, last four hours they will start pulling higher and they close in the range of the pattern. Then there's no breakout. It's, I would even call it a false breakout, which, you know, that in case of false breakout, market likes to move opposite, opposite direction with a double speed. <laughs> so because they catch some customers at the bottom and then whoop, we go. So, uh, no, I always said that the market is doing all the best to cheat us and... Uh, it's, the market likes to be tricky and we must be prepared for any situation. So for me, a breakout means candle is closed outside, candle is over, and a new candle is built. Then I can Are you referring to the daily time frame? Uh, in case of daily, I need to, to check this candle in the midnight, after the midnight. Uh, in case of four-hour charts, it's better because we have six candles per day, so it can happen. So I, I, I must say that I prefer trading on four-hour chart because it happens quickly. I mustn't wait to the end of the day. I just see, let's say, after the um, US session has opened, I see, okay, candle closed. Uh, close outside, MACD is falling. I can join the market. Okay, and, I have and does two... it mean that... Yes, Sorry. yes. Does it mean that the pattern had... This is assuming that the pattern is formed on the four-hour time frame. Did I get it right? Once more. So let's say you are looking for the breakout on the four-hour time frame. So this is assuming that your candlestick pattern has formed on the four-hour time frame, not the daily time frame. It depends. It depends because uh, sometimes we have a pattern uh, on four-hour chart and I can trade it. And then I check next day, I see, whoa, also the daily created a pattern because it happens that the pattern is built starting from one hour and then it grows. Right. No, it's, 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 it grows. So, uh, but if a pattern is built on four-hour chart, I check on the four-hour candles. If it's built on daily, I look at the daily. So uh, the definition would be that the breakout must happen uh, from a pattern on the same time frame. So if it's on a daily, then a daily candle. If it happens on four-hour chart, it must be a four-hour candle. Uh, some people ask me, oh, I see that uh, this 15-minute candle just broke out. I said, but it's still 45 minutes to close one hour and it's uh, uh, three and hours and 45 minutes to close the four hour. And, the, <laughs> you know, and the pattern is on four hour chart. So it's not so easy that a five minute chart will break out. Oh, it's the breakout. No, of hmm. course, you can risk. It depends what is your appetite for risk. If you would like a risky trading, you can start trading after they just touched, you know, after they do three pips below the, the pattern. Okay, it's a breakout. But so many times I was trapped in this that after 
one hour they were back in the pattern and then I was hoping that maybe they will break out at the end because MACD was still not changing anything. So mm. you can try to break out, to trade a breakout on a not finished candle only if MACD confirmed the breakout already. Then okay, then the risk is, is not a big one that, that the candle will close again in the range. But uh, I prefer just you know, I, 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 some people say that I'm a slow, slow, slow trader, like a snail. I never hurry in trading. You know, I always say there's always another day. There's always another trade can can happen. It's it's so I, I say it's like moving with a crowd. If you go one step before the crowd, you can miss the moment when they turn around. You're still going forward at the oh nobody behind me. So the same is with trading. I rather uh, go by the crowd by the big boys, then try to uh, uh, show them where should they go. <laughs> so I'd rather go by the market, not before the market. Even oh, if yeah. I lose yep. 20 pips, even if my entry is 20, 30 pips later, then it could be. First thing, safety for me, safety of the account. Uh, <clears throat> we didn't speak, of course, about the money management here, but I think that uh, everything starts from money management, everything. The best strategy won't save you if you don't uh, properly manage the the, the, the money, the account. <clears throat> and if if I would say, what is the most important number in trading? Because there are so many numbers: the efficiency, uh, the the profitability, the um, sharp the sharp ratio or risk to reward. There are many many numbers in statistics. For me. The most important number is drawdown. I, I feel if you are able to manage the drawdown, you will never lose. Well, sometimes it can happen, of course, but uh, controlling the drawdown, in my opinion, of course, this is my private opinion. People can have absolutely different, but I'm not looking at the numbers that how much percent I earned today uh, or, or how much I lost today. For me, it's most important how big was my drawdown today, how much I risked. And uh, I try to not to cross, you know, my maximum drawdown this year is 15%, which happened uh, one month only. Normally I try to keep it below 10% because, you know, letting the drawdown go 15, 20, uh, then, then forget it, it's then, then it's no sense. Uh, you can risk, if you trade with $1,000, you can risk 60%, okay, $600. I will survive. But if you trade with $100,000, would you risk 600? 60,000? Yeah. No. No, of course not. No, for most, most people, no. Yeah, <laughs> Unless so, I'm a billionaire, maybe. <laughs> yeah, as, at least they, they, they are just, uh, you know, sorry for saying that, but stupid. So, so stupid that there is so many. You know, if someone is able to lose $100,000, it means that he's a millionaire. Okay. But I know people who don't, they're not millionaires and they lose so much money because of um, not keeping the drawdown at, under control. Drawdown for me totally is the most important number. And yeah, so so to carry on where we left off. Okay, so now we have, you know, got the MACD, we've got a pattern, we have the, the breakdown, right? So I think the next question would be, you know, where would you then going to set your stop loss and your target? Maybe you can expand a little bit more, you know, talking about your stops and your target. Stop loss and targets in my yes. uh, in my system well um, in case of stop loss uh, 
my, my, my stop losses are always based on the patterns which I'm trading. If I'm trading a pattern uh, which is uh, a size up to 100 pips, I put my stop loss over the pattern, about, let's say, 10 pips higher than the pattern. Uh, if I, let's say that I'm trading a, 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 a upswing and there's a pattern on the top of the swing and I want to short it, then my stop loss is over the pattern about 10 pips in case the pattern is not bigger than 100 pips. Of course, this is plus minus, it's not a universal number. But if the pattern is huge, let's say uh, on pound with yen, the pattern can have even 200 pips, then I put my stop loss over the breaking candle. Why? Because if there's a pattern and then comes a candle which begins in the pattern and is closing outside, it means that someone initiated a move, and someone made a decision, it's time to break out from the pattern. So I, it, in my opinion, it's a logic that putting a stop loss over that breaking candle means that you are over the price from which market initiated the breakout. It's the level where there's a strong selling, or selling uh, area. So if I put 10, 15 pips over the breaking candle, it means that if they break it, if they take my stop loss, it means that no more bearishness. Again, they are joining the trend. Because uh, you know the, the candles are showing us what's happening. If I see a breaking candle starting inside the pattern and then closing outside, it means that decision was made. Who made the decision? Sellers, where they made the decision? Where the breaking candle started. This is the, the way I understand the market. Mm, market is always between buyers and sellers. Who's stronger? And in that moment, buyers, sellers were stronger. So if I put my stop loss over the entry price, it means that uh, I put it on a safe area in case they uh, go over my uh, this breaking candle and take my stop loss. It means that it was the best I could do. Because no more <laughs> selling, it's time to go with them. So this is where I put my stop loss. Regarding the take profit, uh, it's uh, not a, there's no universal new universal um, prescription, let's say, because it depends on many many things. One of those is that uh, there was a guy who whose name is Bulkowski. Mr. Bulkowski was a man who was making statistics of different patterns. He was testing. He was testing thousands and thousands of patterns. I read that he tested 3,000 head and shoulders pattern to find how much the market breaks out from a head and shoulders pattern. And he checked that over 70% of the patterns break, break down, I mean the head and shoulders, and they gain 70% of the size of the pattern. Usually we say, oh, head and shoulders one-to-one, -one, the size of the pattern, the size of the breakout. Mr. Bulkowski tested 3,000 and said, no, it's only 70% of the size. This is theory. And he also tested breakouts from outside bars, engulfing patterns, bullish engulfing patterns, bearish engulfing patterns. And he said that in case the breakout is at the size of the pattern, he treats this pattern as a, a good one. It means that it worked. And he tested also a few thousand of those patterns. And he says that the that probability that after market breaks out from the pattern and makes a move of the size of the pattern is 72%. So 
So I believe that when I'm trading a, let's say, a cell from a pattern, my target should be at least at the size of the pattern. But this is theory. Sometimes uh, situation doesn't let me to have such a, a big, big uh, uh, take profit. It depends, you know, normally I use uh, the demand and supply zones. If I see that I, when I start selling and I see that there's a demand zone close to the pattern, my first target is this demand zone. I don't try to take um, targets below the demand zone because it's nearly obvious that they will stop on the demand zone. Then they make a correction. They come back to the pattern. Then they try again. Market not doesn't fall just like a stone. It usually wanders a bit up, a bit down. It's, it's moving in a swing. Yeah? So stop losses, in, in my strategy, the definition of a stop loss is either over the pattern if it's only 100 pips or less. But if it's more than 100 pips, let's say 150, 200, then I put my stop loss over the breaking candle in case of a sell order. Got it, right. That was concise. I, I love it, right? Very clear. At least I understand. Hopefully those listening in, watching can <laughs> visualize right, where you are coming from. Beautiful. Yeah, so also you mentioned uh, supply and demand. So let me, let's touch a little bit on that one because I think now you actually have given us a very high-level overview plus a detailed explanation of your price action plus MACD uh, trading strategy. So maybe now we can talk a little bit about supply and demand, right? Because I, I know that uh, you mentioned earlier the OSPS, right? was it the end-of-day trading Opus. system? Uh, Opus. I love Opus. the names you keep. Opus, right? Uh, what's the, Opus, right? What's, what's the, the full acronym for Opus? Only order pending, pending. Orders, order strategy. There we have it. Opus, right? Only the pending names you give are really strategy. interesting. Okay, Opus, all right. So let's talk a little bit about that, right? So Opus, I believe, uh, but before we talk about the Opus, I think that's, Strategy is very useful for those who have a full-time job, right? Because you don't need to be in front of the screen all day. But before we get to it, maybe let's talk a little bit about because your take on the difference between support and resistance and supply and demand. I, I believe you feel that there's a difference between the two. So maybe you can share your take on it. Yeah, you know, um, I always say that before I, uh, because I uh, sometimes I make some webinars and people ask me about the support and resistance, supply and demand. And I always say that my way, my approach to support and resistance and supply and demand might uh, be different to this, what you already learned. Because uh, many people uh, say that support and resistance is the same like supply and demand. They don't see the difference uh, because sometimes it really is in the same place. But uh, to say the truth, it's not the same, at least in my meaning. In, in, it is what I understand. I understand support and resistance are levels which are created by the market in a technical way. Sometimes it happens that because of, of some news, market starts to grow from a place. But when the market comes back to those levels, it mustn't react again because there'll be no more news. Let's say there were payrolls, and payrolls pushed the price from, uh, let's say, gold started from 1900 and started growing to 1950. And when price comes back to 1900, it doesn't mean that they, once again that will go because there'll be no more payrolls that day. So this is why uh, support and resistance level, I mainly trade those levels, horizontal levels only, and I treat them with a high level of, uh, you know, suspicious, <laughs> suspicious. I'm very suspicious on those levels. Supply and demand zones, this is something, it's absolutely different story. To make market move, a big move, make a big upswing, 
you need some forces to do it. Those are buyers, okay? Those are big, I call them big boys, sharks of the market. Those are big banks, hedge funds. Those institutions operate with such huge amount of money that we cannot even uh, imagine. Those are billions and billions, and they are able to change the price on the market. And we should follow the big boys. We cannot fight with them. So if someone started buying gold at 19,000 and is pushing the price higher and higher and higher without any news, just because it started growing, we can be sure that on the level of 19,000, there are more money laying. Why? Because if they would like to buy all the gold they want to buy, they would spoil the market. They, they, you know, in short seconds, the gold price would go so high that they couldn't realize the market, the, 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 the order at once. So they divide the orders to small chunks. Let's say they want to buy two tons of gold. Okay, they buy one ton at 19,000. They wait for the price to come back and they buy another 250 kilos or another 250 kilos. This is the way they, they must divide the orders to chunks because in other case, putting an order, okay, I want two, two, two tons of gold. And then the last kilo they will buy at $2,000. That's why not to disturb the market, they divide it to chunks. And those, I call them block orders, order blocks. And this is the way the market is moving. I'm using a, a, a platform, Ninja Trader, and I have some volumes from from the real market from the futures market and i see those blocks uh, of course this is absolutely different trading it's nothing compared with this what we see on our metatrader platforms or, or trading deal but at the end everything comes to the same there are some areas of interest where there are buyers and there are some areas of interest where there are sellers and i always say that uh, <clears throat> demand zone created by the buyers, uh, if price comes back to that area, the probability that market will bounce back from it, will reflect and again initiate buying is very high. That's why I believe in those zones. And when I see that such a zone was created, and I saw, for an example, let's say that it was mm, dollar with yen and price went 150, 200, 300 pips higher from a zone. And when market is slowly, slowly coming down to that zone, I can put a pending order over this demand zone, expecting that when they hit it, there will be a once more reflection. And what's good in this is that uh, I can put a pending order and close my computer and go for holidays. And in case price comes back to that level, they will initiate my trade. So I don't lose an opportunity. That's why pending orders are very good for people who would like treat trading as a hobby. They have maybe two hours per day for trading. They analyze the market. They look where are the supply and demand zones, which could be activated next day. They put a pending order. My idea is that I put my stop loss. Uh, if I want to buy on a demand zone, I put my stop loss below the demand zone and put my target at the same distance like my stop loss, one to one. Because the, the statistics show that uh, if market is coming close to a level, to a zone, uh, it often bounce, it more often bounces back than breaks it through directly. So let's, for an example, I have a level, 19,000 on dollars. 
and it is a level which is a level of demand zone. <clears throat> the probability that the zone will be broken straight away is only 30%, 70% chances that it will bounce back. And this is true. If you look at the levels, mainly the levels are attacked two, three times before they are broken. So uh, if you uh, if you find a level and you say, yeah, this is a strong level because market really created it uh, some days ago, some weeks or some months ago, and there was a huge reflection, next time they'll do it once more. Maybe not the same size, but at least some part. So this is a strategy which is i call it for working people because this is uh, just using uh, you know the statistics are helping us in this because statistics say if before breaking there will be at least one reflection and of course uh, the reason why this zone was created is almost created by big boys big whales sharks of the market they won't let uh, the price uh, just go through and it's all especially when I, it's very important to analyze the zones and find the best ones. And it's not so difficult. The best ones are those from which you had the biggest move. When you look at the chart, you can open a daily chart and say, okay, from this moment, let's say Canadian dollar, oh, from this moment to this, they made 800 pips and then they started falling. In case they come back to that level, this level will work once more at least, at least once. And then you can plan, okay, the supply zone, the demand zone is, let's say, 50 pips. I open it pending order just over the demand zone and my take profit will be also 50 pips. You know, this, this depends, of course, on time frames. You can also use it on 15-minute charts, on one-hour charts. It all depends on, on how many orders per day or per week you would like to open. Okay, so from what I'm hearing, it's... Uh... Let's say you talk about supply demand. Uh, how it mainly differs from support resistance is that support resistance could be just created from uh, news release, right? Like maybe NFP, you know, CPI, whatsoever, whereas supply and demand is more of institutional orders, right? They wouldn't want to put in like a billion dollars to buy gold at once because the gold price will spike. So they will have multiple orders. Maybe instead of a billion, is split it up into like you know, 200 million, 200 million, 200 million, yes, something along yes. those lines, yeah? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So then let's, and earlier you mentioned that Ninja Trader, you can see the volume profile to kind of like help you better differentiate, right? Which zones, which supply demand zones to trade off. But let's say someone who doesn't have that tool or software. So based on the charts, right? What should, what will the, key things right for them to look out for i think earlier you briefly mentioned the magnitude of the move right to kind of like filter out you know which are the zones that are better compared to the rest so with that is there anything else to add on top of it like what how do we differentiate you know good zones from bad zones well uh, of course the the the, um, the distance on, on which the market moved uh, from the zone is very important because it shows the strength of the of the uh, buyer or seller. Um, I made an indicator for this, uh, for those zones. I have an indicator which is uh, drawing those zones for me. Uh, I found the indicator many years ago. Uh, I tried to use it, but it was giving some funny results. And I worked on this indicator with my friend. It took us a few months before we found the best settings. Uh, which are based, of course, on 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 uh, candlestick patterns, not on the volume, because you know connecting it with the volume it would cost a lot of money, and it would be indicated which would work for some people, for some people not. 
So this is an indicator based more on technical analysis, but uh, it gives re very reliable uh, results. And I must say that, uh, uh, just to say it straightly, um, frankly saying the best zones are those which are on the top and on the bottom of the chart, just to, to make it easy, because those zones are oldest, and they give us the biggest range between one and second, because if we have zones very close to each other, I have absolutely different uh, strategy. If I see zones which are, for an example, the distance between those zones is 20 or 30 pips, then I understand that this is an area of a consolidation. And then I trade breakouts from those zones, not reflections, but breakouts. It means that if, if they are between two zones, and price is moving, you know, it's trapped. And then once they break out, I put a pending order, but it's a buy stop or buy limit or, or sell stop. It means that it's going with the flow, not against, uh, because normally when you say the price is falling to a demand zone and it, I want to buy, I, I'm trading a, a bit against the flow. But in case of uh, zones which are close to each other, I put the sell stop or buy stop. And then if they break out from that range, usually they travel to another zone, which is in uh, using those zones, it's easier for me to determine where should be my stop loss uh, on my, where, where should my take profit. Because my take profit will be always on the closest, below the closest zone or over the closest zone if I sell. So we can use this strategy with the flow or against. It depends. Uh, you know, there are many factors uh, deciding where I put my pending order, but I think that uh, the best way is to practice. Open a demo account and practice, practice, practice. This uh, this indicator is also uh, on your platform. It's, it's available for free, absolutely. In this uh, right. Uh, and what about ultimate price action? Okay. And also, let's see what about uh zones where. Uh, I think you call it order blocks, right? Where the market didn't just come to a zone and immediately take off. Instead, it comes to maybe a level or zone and area whatsoever. And then it starts to consolidate maybe six, eight, ten bars before it makes a move, right? So those is, looks like mini, like I guess kind of like a consolidation, a mini consolidation on the chart. So what's your take on such a price action that you see on such a zones? So you mean that you mean that the price is coming to a zone, it's not breaking and it's not uh, uh, reflecting; it's just moving on the zone uh, in, in small yes. range. Yes. So those yes. are the, those are the worst things because uh, I usually feel that if there's no reaction uh, uh, and there's no bounce back, it means that it will be broken. Yeah, okay, got it. it. Because it it means that there's no more money on that zone, which are able to push the price back. It could be a signal that the zone is gonna vanish in a, in a close future, because okay. you know. So you expect, ev yeah. Everything is is money. If there's no money on the on the order block, it means that the order block will fail. Yeah. So would there be instances where, let's say, you already have your order set, your 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 limit orders, your stop loss orders, and then that happens at the zone where it hasn't hit your stop loss yet? Would there be a chance that you'll just prematurely exit the trade, or would you rather let it hit your stop loss and then see what happens next? Uh, well, uh, it depends. Uh, 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 once more, it depends on the on the uh, let's say lifestyle of a trader. If he's able to control the trades, even if he's at work, 
let's say he's working in office and he has a break, he can take a look at the phone and say, wow, there's no reaction on this one, I'll close it. But there are people who cannot do it. A driver of a car, a bus driver cannot control his <laughs> charge during the work. Or someone who is working in a factory, uh, he must be focused on his work. He cannot look at the phone. So those people are in a bit worse situation. That's why, in my opinion, each pending order must have a stop loss and must have a take profit. Because if there's only a small reflection, maybe they will just hit your take profit and it's okay. But if they go after some period when you couldn't control it and you see them going through your zone and you haven't your stop loss, you are lost. So uh, in case of pending orders, you need to have a stop loss and take profit. It's absolutely, uh, it, it's a must. It's a must. It's obligatory. You cannot um, risk opening a pending order without putting a stop loss and take profit because uh, you never know how the market will, will behave. That's why, and you shouldn't be too greedy. You should uh, give your take profits huge, huge levels. It's enough if your take profit is as the size of a, of a zone, then it's okay. Uh, greediness is something which is uh, <laughs> a big problem <laughs> within traders. More and more, we want more and more. But even I would say that I have a saying that the biggest reason for that people fail in trading is lack of patience. Lack of patience. This is, this is something which which we know the formal, you know, formal feeling fear of missing out, oh, I must go, I must enter, today is already, I'm looking at the charts three hours and I didn't open a trade, wow, I must open something, oh, no, 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 I never <laughs> open if I don't, if I'm not sure that there's, a, you know, checklist, just make a checklist, this, this, and this must happen, then I am opening a trade, and that's all, you are free of confusions, you are free of making, uh, emotional uh, decisions just take it cold one two three pattern breakout macd this is my strategy it's like a like a <laughs> nearly like a phrase <laughs> short and sweet right fantastic and also i'm hearing a lot about you know, having a one-to-one -one take profit since i think you're primarily a swing trader so are there instances where maybe you don't aim for a one-to-one. -one. Maybe you risk a dollar and maybe due to price action or whatsoever, you actually take off one dollar and you end up getting, getting 70 cents or 80 cents. Are there instances like that where yes. you go for a less than one-to-one? -one? Yes, yes, of course. Because I can afford myself. I have a high pro pro probability of winners. As I mentioned, uh, I have even one account where I have 95% winners. But this is a scalping strategy, which is uh, only one month old, so it's nothing to say. But uh, the the older older accounts, uh, two three years old accounts, they have probability about 80, 85 percent. So I can have, I can afford myself having a lower risk to reward, and I still am profitable. You know, I must say that maybe it's not. Uh, uh, <clears throat> maybe I shouldn't say it loud to people who are just starting trading. But guys, I'm not so much focus on risk to reward i am more focused on efficiency on the probability because there's, there's two sides to the coin i think one thing that a lot of uh new traders which i feel for they get so caught up with oh i must have a minimum of a one to two risk to reward one to three risk to reward so this way i have a 50 percent, 40 percent winning rate 
you know, I'll still be profitable. But on the other side of the equation, if a trader who's like you, you have 80, 85% winning rate, you don't need a one-to-one risk to reward to make money. You can even go to a dollar and you make back 80 cents, right? Or even 70 cents. I think in the long run, you'll still be profitable. So there's two sides to the coin, right? Which I, I, I really feel right that, you know, all traders should understand your risk to reward and your winning rate. They're both like kind of like two sides of the same coin. You must find the right balance, right? Yeah. Yeah, you, 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 there are two, 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 two ways, either risk to reward, either efficiency, and I choose the efficiency, especially that uh, when I'm scalping, uh, I absolutely don't look at the risk to reward. Uh, I just want to close a profitable trade, and that's when I see that things are going against me, I'm just closing without thinking about But generally, the account, which which uh, which I uh, one of the accounts is public, so people can check it, can see it, uh, it's a moderate account. It's an account with an amount of money which is uh, maybe an average, uh, average uh, capital. It's not something huge. It's not something very small. It's just an average, and uh, that's why I'm showing it because may, I think I believe that this is a, a level of which is available for 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 traders who want to be professional traders. Uh, at least start from this uh, such an amount. And uh, <clears throat> when I looked at my risk to reward ratio generally from thousand from thousand uh, trades, it's one and a half. It means that uh, for one dollar which I risk, I have one and a half dollar return. I have some trades where there's one to forty on a profit. You no, know? I risk one dollar and got forty. So, but there are also some trades where I risked uh, one dollar and I got only twenty cents. You know, that's, that's so. I don't. I, I'm not so much focused on risk to reward. I had a session for my Polish friends uh, on Tuesday, and I said and there was a question: "Wow, you 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 raised uh, 100 uh, uh, pips and you closed 25 on it." Ha ha ha! I said, "Okay, but I closed 25 on a profit. If I wouldn't close it on 25, I would be losing 25 two hours later. So what is better, keeping to the risk rewards <laughs> or just taking the money from the from the from the table?" So no, I don't stick to the risk to reward so much, especially that I have different volumes. I sometimes open the, the uh, half a lot, sometimes I open 0.1 lot. So I should, uh, it's not so easy to say one to one or one to two. Sometimes I, I earn $20 and sometimes I earn $5. So how can we compare it with risk to reward? It makes no sense for me. And oh yeah, by the way, Dargo, the time now is about one and a half hours. And as, as mentioned earlier, I like to do just do a check. You know, how are you feeling? You know, do you still want to carry on with a few more questions, or you prefer to just kind of close it up, right? And we can talk another time. No problem. Let's take on this. No problem. Okay, so yeah. maybe I'll just ask you a few more questions then, right? Then before we we sum up today's session. So so, yeah, I think uh, earlier you talked about news, right? You say you're primarily seventy percent a technical trader, but you're still aware of fundamental news that's going. On around the world. So, so what's your take, you know, of the news, right? When you're trading, you know, how do you approach the news? Well, uh, every day uh, before I trade, or generally to, uh, uh, Sunday evening or Monday morning, I make analysis of the whole week, five days, and I check for the most important uh, events which can uh, happen this week. Because, for an example, if I see that on Thursday the Bank of England will make a interest rate decision. Oh, that they will make because Thursdays I call them super Thursdays for Bank of England because Bank of England always has you know few things at once happening on Thursdays and uh, let's say that there will be an interest rate decision and half an hour mm-hmm. later before we have the CPI report from Great Britain 
I know that trading pound this week is risky. Uh, so if I plan to trade on pound, I don't do it on Wednesdays, day before the main events. I die scalp. When I'm scalping, it's not a problem. When I'm scalping, the news make no absolutely. I'm not into not looking at the news. But mainly, I'm a swing trader. So if I plan uh, to open a position on pound, I need to know that there's nothing which can disturb this technical analysis. Because technical analysis, you can throw it to the trash bin after the news very often. Uh, I hate having a, a, a webinar. Just before the news, people ask me asking, okay, what's your position on Euro USD? And I say, well, I can say you many things today. I can say you wonderful things. I can take you a star from the sky, but let's wait to the, to the ECB meeting. Then we can speak about it realistic because all what I say today, tomorrow after the ECB decision, you can throw it to the trash bin. That's why, this is why I look at the calendar, economic calendar, and I try to avoid trading uh pairs where there could be some interesting events, some volatile events. For an example, Friday, last Friday, I was trading Euro with Canadian dollar. I was shorting it. And I showed why. I was sure that there's an engulfing pattern, there's a breakout MACD turn. Bearish is a good opportunity. I, I put it on the Telegram channel. Uh, probably you saw it. And I said, I'm shorting it. But I then I looked at the calendar. I said, whoa. Canadian Bank of Canada will make a decision or something. No, it was retail sales from Canada on the U.S. market opening. And I said, guys, if the data are positive, Canadian dollar will get stronger. This will be something which will be on my favor. But if the retail sales are bad, I'll close my trade as quickly as possible. And luckily, the Canadian retail sales were good. And I got 70 pips on a profit that day. But you know, uh, why, why, why should it? It could have happened absolutely uh, in a different way. It, I could have closed minus 70 because they would go against me. So technical analysis is okay if there are no very important events. But if there are very important events, we need to take this in consideration. But you know, if it would be so easy that if, let's say, inflation up, dollar down, inflation down, dollar up, it's not always that way. Sometimes, Market likes to surprise us, and there's so irrational uh, market reaction that we just have such eyes. What's going on? Deflation went down and dollar went down. Why? That's why it's better not to avoid trading before the news. We never know what they plan to do. So, uh, but of course, I mean the news which are marked with red, uh, which are I'm using the calendar from uh, my FX book. There's a very nice, clear calendar, and then I see what's going on very quickly because they mark with red all those important things. <clears throat> but sometimes, even payrolls sometimes might not uh, cause any any volatility. If let's say in the if in the same week we have on Wednesday Fed decision about interest rates, and two days later we have payrolls, those payrolls have no impact uh, that day because. All the decisions were made by Fed on Wednesday. Next Fed meeting is six weeks later, and the payrolls from Friday make no absolutely no, no sense because they already knew the data. I don't believe that Fed doesn't know what's happening with payrolls if they are deciding about the monetary policy. We, retail sales, 
the traders will know it on Friday, but they already knew it on Wednesday. So <laughs> then I know, okay, the payrolls won't be an important event, so we can just uh, mustn't take it into consideration when we are trading something. Got it. Nice. I like how you actually shared that you pay attention to news, right? More of a risk management perspective, right? To know when to exit a position, to know when to stay out of the market so you don't get caught, right? From the news release. Uh, curious, the next thing to, I'd like to hear from you is that, you know, you've been trading for so many years, definitely longer than me. And I'd like, I'd like to hear what are some of the biggest challenges that you had to overcome, right? And what do you learn from it? Huh, well, the challenges, um, <laughs> I think that uh, <laughs> the biggest, the biggest um, challenge is we, we, we ourselves, we ourselves. The biggest opponent in trading, it's me. It's me. It means that we have to overcome the weakness, such as greed, ignorance, weak will. And of course, uh, above everything, the, the most important thing is, of course, sticking to the rules of the strategy. And it, you know how difficult it's, it's to be consistent. It's how difficult it's to keep you know, everything in hand, the emotions, and we see something uh, which looks very interesting. Oh, I think that the market just moved because there is some data. Market is moving. Let's trade it. But then you must cool down and say, wow, but there's still MACD is giving me no hint. And there's no breakout. There's no pattern. Why should I trade it? Let's, uh, let's cool down. Be patient. Emotional trading is something which uh, gave me the most losses ever. I lost. I had a big, big loss in 2015, and I will remember it to the end of my life because it was not only a huge loss, but it was also a loss because of my stupid entry. If I would look at this market in a cool way, I would never open a trade on it. And I was so focused on this that everyone is buying, I'll buy also. And I bought it on the top, absolutely top of the chart. And I only saw you know, my my account vanishing in, in after three or four days, I lost everything. So from that moment on, everything changed in my trading. I must say that it was 2015, which absolutely changed my, my uh, approach to the market. I said, okay, main thing, save your capital. Don't let the market take more than 15% of the account at once. This is absolutely maximum on all trades, but one trade cannot lose more than 5%. And I started sticking to that rule, everything changed. But I think the biggest obstacle is ourselves, our, our strong idea, a weak will, that we are not keeping to the rules, we are not keeping to, uh, today in the morning, you say yourself, okay, from today, I will never let my trade go below, let's say 2%. And in the evening, we check, wow, minus five, minus five, your will is not not working because you know people have uh, there are some people talented got they 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 are they have some uh, special special character for trading those people make business the people uh, earn money on the markets but this is a small percent maybe 2% of the traders are just because they have this character of a of a warrior but most of us are normal people <laughs> and we need to to um, train those the, this your character 
I remember my beginnings. Uh, this was absolutely. When I look at how I started, uh, I really am uh, surprised that I'm still a trader because normally, you know, and this is something really crazy when I look how I was trading. I was looking account after account, account after account, three years, just spending money, uh, all free money uh, for, for uh, losing and losing. And after three years, I should quit the work at all. But then came someone who helped me. Someone gave me a hand, said, wow, what are you doing, guy? Do you know what's uh, outside bar? Do you know what's inside bar? I said, well, those are simple things. Those are just basic things. I know all about them. Yes? Okay, so what you would do with this one? Well, I would trade it. Are you sure this is a good? You know, step by step, I had a mentor who helped me for six months, and everything changed, absolutely. And then I started profiting, and this was a kind of a, you know, line in the sand. But I think that uh, what I could advise the people who start trading, so experienced, uh, those traders who are just beginning, or maybe even they feel their experience, but they're still losing. First thing, keep an eye on the drawdown. Absolutely the most important number. Don't look how much you earn. Look how much you lose. This is the first thing. And uh, another thing, uh, which I believe is also a big problem, people believe in those things which they see in the internet. They see hundreds of percent people gaining hundreds and thousands of dollars in one day, getting you know, reach in seconds. People believe that if you earn 5% a month, you are useless. You are, you know, pff, what a trader, 5%. I made 5% only on one trade. Yeah, the question is how long. Um, so, you know, Mr. Warren Buffett, the most known uh, trader, uh, investor, the famous investor, in the, the most famous, he has this company Berkshire, uh, uh, Berkshire Hathaway. A fund. <clears throat> he earns about 24% a year from 1964 starting. <clears throat> 1964 until now, every year, this average income is 24% per year. And he's known as the best investor ever. So, how can you be better than Mr. Warren Buffett and you say, okay, I'll earn 100% per month? <laughs> you know, so it's it's very important to. To have realistic realistic targets don't believe that you will be a millionaire in, in in one week or one month it's really a long long way it's you know it's climbing step by step step by step losing sometimes on the way but uh, don't be in a hurry to become a millionaire it's, it, it won't work at all it won't work because you know people who want to make fast money usually quick quickly lose both capital and enthusiasm. And, and that's the end of the story. I'm curious, right? earlier you mentioned that there's a mentor who helped you for six months. So does your mentor trade in a similar manner as you? Well, um, it was a, 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 a person who was absolutely technical analyst. He wasn't absolutely interested in fundamentals, nothing, only technical analysis. And it was a good uh, approach to the market in 19... It, it, it was, uh, let's say, I, he started showing me th those things in 2012, 2013, when this thing, those things worked. But now I found that fundamental analysis also is, is uh, important, especially in those difficult times, you know, the, the um, virus, coronavirus, uh, the pandemia changed a lot, uh, inflation came here, then uh, 
Now it's very important. I believe that the news are important. That's why I combine. He was on a technical analysis, and luckily uh, he had a um, heart stroke and he died a few years ago. So he was an old guy. When he, when I contacted him, he was 70 years old when he and he was already you know uh, cooling down. He was not a full-time trader. He just treated it as a hobby, and he had a lot of free time. Uh, he, it was uh, part of our family, I would say even, uh, far families. It's a person, you know, colligated in uh, many generations back. And he was mainly stock trader, stock trader. But uh, when he found out Forex and he heard from me that I'm losing the 12th account in a row, <laughs> he said, okay, show me what you are doing. And he just, oh my goodness, what are you doing? So he changed my attitude to, to the market. And now when I try to help some traders, I have the same attitude as he had. Slowly, basics, simple things, not complicated. He learned me that, that uh, indicators are helpful, but if you have too many indicators, it's a problem because he said, okay, you have 10 indicators on your chart. You believe that it will help you. So put 10 people before yourself and ask them a question. And what will you do if three of them will say yes, three of them will say no, and four of them will say we don't know. Is it a help for you to make a decision? Or you ask them what kind of shirt should I put on when I'm going to a wedding? And you'll have different opinions. You get lost. Isn't it better just to take two people and one will say this one and this one? So he also, you know, he used some samples from life uh, and he, 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 he trans, tra transferred it to trading many times. Very simple, you know, samples, uh, very simple answers. And then I learned what means an objective strategy. What is a discretionary strategy and what is objective strategy? Because discretionary strategy is based on your feelings, on your, um, you encourage yourself because, oh, I'm a, I'm a genius, I will know the best, you know, this is the discretionary. You make the decisions because you believe in this, what you, what you know. And objective strategy is you just believe in facts. This is what happens really. That's why I hate uh, strategies which, um, where you should decide about uh, entering on your feelings, not on the facts. And this is this is the, the difference. <clears throat> right. And uh, yeah, I, I just want to backtrack a little bit because I think I might have missed out this few questions earlier. So earlier when you were talking about the OPPO's uh, trading strategy where pretty much the strategy for people who are working full-time, you know, trading off our supply-demand zones, right? So you mentioned, you know, you can use limit orders, right? And you mentioned your your target is usually about one-to-one. -one. So I'm not sure if I asked you this earlier. So what about the stop-loss? So where usually do you set your stop-loss? Let's say you're looking to buy off a demand zone. You know, where would your limit order be and where would your stop-loss be? Well, if I plan to buy on a demand zone and I saw that this demand zone gave before a huge move, which is uh, a signal that some buyers are there the demand is huge on that zone uh, i put uh, my um, entry few pips over the zone because uh, if i base on an indicator i must always take you know into consideration that indicator is a mechanism it's a it's an algorithm uh, sometimes it can vary a bit uh, it won't give me a hundred percent 
level, but uh, I must say that many times they just touch it and bounce back. So the, the indicator is really perfect. I must say that um, I tried to, uh, some other indicators which absolutely no, no, have no value compared to this one. And uh, so I usually put five pips over the zone uh, entry, and my stop loss is two, three pips below the zone. This is the, the way I put it. And this, if the zone is, let, let's say, 20 pips, then my stop loss is about 25, 27 pips, 30 pips maybe. And this is usually the target I would like to have. But each situation is a bit different. There's no universal prescription because if you look at the context and you see on the left, I mean, the history that there was a spike up from some level, I believe that it became a resistance now. So I will put my take profit below that spike, below the spike started because uh, so, uh, so I would say this way, stop losses are easier for me to put the stop loss than the take profit here. Mm. Because take profit, you still have to consider the price structure on the market. Where's the swing high? Where's yeah, the resistance, yeah. etc. And then you kind yeah. of like maybe there's a, maybe there's a support and resistance over somewhere, which could be uh, an obstacle on the on the growth. Okay, so okay, let's maybe let's you know close it up with a few questions, right? Because you've been so patient and kind with us, you know. And I really like the way you educate traders. There's a lot of sense of calm experience wisdom and it's not very rush i know oh do a b c d x y z no why do this and so it's very calm and 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 yeah that there's a demeanor right that I, I sense from you when you explain you know concepts and strategies yeah so so let's say you know some some you know just closing questions for fun right so what are you most excited about right now whether is it professionally or personally uh personally I'm preparing to the World Championship in swimming, which will be in, in Doha, in Qatar, on uh, in March. This is my target at the moment, my personal target. <laughs> because I checked my results from winter and I see that I can have a chance for a final. Um, so this is my target, personal target. So I'm training hardly three times per week. I, I plan to change it to four times a week. Um, and uh, in, in case of um, uh, professional things, um, compared con uh, with something to do with trading, uh, I would like to close the year on hundred percent profit. So I, I, I'm nice. at the moment forty. I'm at the moment ninety. As I remember, ninety-six, ninety-seven percent on one account. On other accounts, I'm about eighty-five percent. So those maybe I'll not manage to put up to hundred percent. But uh, my plan is just to do what I'm doing uh, until now. Uh, I don't want to, you know, the numbers to 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 make some pressure on me. But uh, I'm very close to to close the account on hundred percent in December. So this is my, <clears throat> let's say, <laughs> target for uh, in business. And uh, what more? Uh, you know, I, I'm taking part in your in your program, and uh, which is something new for me. Uh, I like it very much, and I hope that I'll have uh, more, more. Um, I can take more time, spend more time on the, on helping the, the traders with some ideas. So generally, I like new things. Uh, I just uh, finished a cooperation one uh, with one company uh, after two years contract, uh, and I'm happy that we started some cooperation here. Uh, maybe it's something not big, but uh, I see that there are some traders who like this my 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 
enters my analysis, uh, you know, it's always fine to see something new, especially that now I see I contact with people with the second part of the world, uh, far away from Europe. Do, uh, the contract I had for the last two years, it was with people from Europe, mainly from Poland. So mm. I'm always open on any kind of cooperation when I can see the effects. Uh, when I see someone writes back, oh, I started gaining now after so many years of losing, it's always a big, big reward for me <clears throat> to hear something like this. I'm happy to hear that. And really, I was curious. I was I was about to ask you earlier about the swimming. So you know you are aiming for the next competition in March in Qatar, and three four times a week training. Do you have a coach, or is it you're just on your own? You know, following the process. Mm, I must say that uh, my coach is this one here. This is my coach. Uh, this is my coach. My... <laughs> the timer. Okay. The timer. Yeah. I have programs here, training programs, which I, I write down for three months ahead, and I'm just following those things. Connect. This is a Garmin watch, which I have an entry, so I can check every um, interval I swim. I check the times. I check the pulse, the pressure, everything. So, you know... I, I I go to the doctor each three months to control myself. What is the blood? How many red cells I have? Uh, everything, you know, like a profi, like I did it when I was a profi uh, uh, swimmer. Now I'm just repeating this thing because, you know, in my age, uh, it's very important to control those things like pressure, like uh, pulse, like the, the blood uh, consistency. <laughs> so... Uh, you know, you cannot do it just because you like it. Because uh, even even for people who are forty years old, they also need to control themselves. We are not uh, we are not programmed to live forever. I would say <laughs> this way. So, and really, swimming is uh, is a kind of a, um, I would say escape from from trading. Because uh, if you trade too much, it doesn't give good results. I know that you need to find the balance between fun, sports and work. Uh, even if I'm not going to a swimming pool, I'm, I'm riding a bike. I make um, per year about 3,000 kilometers on my bike, but I tra uh, bike only on the, in the forest, you know, not on the road because it's not so nice to go on the road. I'm rather biking on the forests, some fields. Uh, so I would say it's a walk cross, cross biking then, then uh, on the streets. So those together gives me, you know, when I come back from a training, uh, uh, from, a, from a workout, uh, I have fresh mind, I have fresh view on the markets. And this is what I saw in the morning. After I come back from the swimming pool, I say, oh, now I have a more clear situation. And uh, in my opinion, the first thing is you need to be patient. If you didn't enter a trade because you were too late, don't try to chase, you know, the running train. Wait for them. There will be another opportunity. There are so many instruments. If you forgot or you, you you didn't manage to open a trade on Euro USD, maybe there will be an opportunity on gold or maybe on pound. Don't be in a hurry. Don't try to, to, to enter everything you see. Then emotional trading is the worst thing we can have. I'm seeing a lot of parallels right, between 
competitive swimming and, and trading. It's a lot about the process, right? Like, you know, you have your routine set up for the next few months. You're just following the process, right? And whatever outcome happens, I believe you will, you know, handle it. Whether you, you know, you win or you didn't win, right? Your mindset is really geared towards just becoming better each and every day, right? Of your, of your life, right? Whether you're trading or swimming, yeah? Is there anything else, right, that you would like to add or any questions that you wish that I asked you that I didn't have a chance to ask you earlier? Well, I think that we, we, we spoke about very, very, various uh, different things. Uh, what I would say, a kind of, uh, what I could give an advice if, if I'm uh, the, the, the proper person to give advice, I don't know. But uh, for sure, uh, guys, when you are trading, remember, remember about drawdown. Believe me, if you keep the drawdown under control, everything will go well. Don't let your trades be losing for dozens of percent. Uh, I don't say that there's a rule, 2% a day or 1% a day, 1% on a trade. No, you, you need to have rules which fit your character. If you like adrenaline, if you like emotions, let it be 5%, okay. But then keep up to this 5%. It doesn't mean that if you allow yourself to lose 5%, you will lose also 10 and say, okay, it's only 5% more. No, no. If you have rules, stick to them. If you stick to the rules, you will you will win. Awesome. And where can the audience, you know, find and connect with you if they want to, you know, you know, connect with you? I believe you're on Facebook, right? You want to share, you know, what's your handle on Facebook? Yeah, I have a, I have a Facebook, of course, but uh, because I'm uh, I have I'm a two language uh, person, so I have a, a Facebook uh, in Polish. But I also have a, a, a group, a trading group on Facebook. It's called Price Action Trading Price Action Patterns. So you will find it. And uh, there's about 40,000 people at the moment on this group. But no, let's say that active people are less. Maybe thousands of these are people active. And I uh, promote the uh, trading price action patterns. So uh, no, no expert advisors. No, uh, hundreds of indicators. Only price action. Just and, the MACD. And MACD. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Awesome. Thank you so much, Dargo. It's uh, it's been a great pleasure speaking with you. I love it, right? So thank you once again for your time. Thank you for you know, going through right, sharing your trading methodology, right, breaking down your price action plus a MACD trading strategy plus the opposite trading strategy for those who are working full time. Plus, right, your competitive swimming, the top process, and many valuable, I would say, life lessons that can be applied to trading as well. I think you shared that, you know, quite a bit in today's conversation as well. So I appreciate you for that. Thank you, Dargo. Thank you. I'm very, very, I'm very happy that I could have this interview with you or this podcast even. And uh, and I hope that that people will like it, uh, like we like together to speak together. Thank you. Thank you, Dargo. We appreciate you joining us in this session of Trading with Rainer Show. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show. And visit tradingwithrainer.com for more resources related to today's session. That's tradingwithrainer.com. Until next time, good luck and good trading. <laughs>